There it is, ladies and gents. Here we go. Another episode of the Business Bros Classroom. Say what's up, class. All right, let's do this thing. Let's get this one on the show. If you've ever thought about writing a book, then this episode is for you. Here we go. Let's get this one on the road. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business All right, ladies and gents, look, there are great books, and then there are best-selling books. So what's the difference? Great books are written very well, but no one reads them. Best-selling books are read by many. If you want to know what it takes to become a best-selling author, then this episode is for you. A best-selling author can open up so many doors for you, and I can't wait to learn how to make that happen. Today's guest is here to share with us how he's helped thousands write their own books. So let's get to it, writing a book with Mr. Steve King. All right, Mr. Steve Kidd, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you having me here today. All right, dude, let's get into this. Um, how did you become an author? Everybody thinks they have a story that is worth sharing. Few people actually make it happen. And then to turn it into a bestseller, that's tough enough. How you, How'd you decide to start writing books? Well, you know, of course, I've always loved books. You know, I'm an avid reader. Uh, actually, the first book that I did that I published was my uh, then current wife and my second youngest daughter. They did a book based off of their travels, going to see the sites for the movie Twilight. You remember when the first Twilight movie came out uh, yeah, back in 2007, sparkly, uh, 2008? Vampires? <laughs> yeah, the vampires? Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, they they love that movie. They went and visited all the sites and put out a travel guide. And that's kind of what started all of it, you know, and I've always been writing. I've got about 100 different songs that I wrote back when I was a musician. Um, and it was an easy transition to beginning to write and put books out as well as help other people do it as well. All right, well, let's talk about some books. Uh, one of the questions a student asked uh, that likes to know from the guests and I think it kind of parallels to when you're writing a book we write about the good times but not always about the bad times the struggles that we have what was the lowest point that you had in your life and did you actually write about that in any of the books oh gosh well I'm 55 so I have lots of lot low points in my <laughs> life but um you know one of the most difficult ones uh, I went through a divorce. It was about three years ago. And I was sitting there by myself in the dark. Uh, you know, not, no reason. I, I just didn't, hadn't turned the lights on in front of my computer. And I was trying to figure out what was I going to do in life. I had literally been either, you know, between college roommates, um, kids, different things like that. I had never lived by myself. So there I was, I was 52 years old and I was living alone for the very first time in my life. 
and I had absolutely no clue what it meant to be single. Some of you guys probably have a better idea what it means to be single um, right now, even if you're just a teen than I did um, in my mid fifties. And yes, I have written some parts of that little segments of that. And then I have a whole book that I'm working on. Um, that's, I don't know, it's kind of more for me than maybe necessarily it is for the general public, but kind of going through that whole journey that I went through on that. Man, divorce has got to be tough. Uh, being single, I'd imagine it's, it's uh, worse. It's so much worse. It's got to be, right? Like, I mean, these guys in here in this classroom, they always wonder about, does that person have a crush on me? Or there's super drama. One of my favorite things to do as a teacher, honestly, is to like walk around and listen to some of the stories that they got and the dramas that they're going through because in all reality in like 10 years it's not even going to matter but at that moment in time it is super super like your world revolves around that uh how'd you how'd you get out of that funk what what got you out of the the you know the self-pity the sorrow to kind of get back on your feet go out there and and make something happen I discovered, and um, I forget who said it to me first. I've heard it from several different people, but there is a really cool thing with your brain where it is impossible for you to be in, you know, self-pity and worry and fear and all those kind of things and in service at the same time. And I discovered that the more that you give, the less it's possible, it literally mentally possible for you to also focus on those negative things. And so I just really began focusing on really giving. Um, I had, and this is going to sound crazy, but I had the advantage of the lockdown and COVID where we couldn't go anywhere. Um, and what I really did with it is I just began to go online every day and just encourage people. We were all going through stuff that nobody had ever been through. And so I didn't try to ask people to do books with me or do business with me or whatever. I just simply wanted to make sure that I was online every day offering hope and possibility to people, you know, in a time when all of us were wondering, hey, you know, is the world ever going to be normal again? So how does that relate to becoming a bestseller? I'd imagine when you write a book, uh, getting those first couple copies out, everybody, you know, friends and family are always going to buy those, right? You're, you're, they're your lo local supporters. But how do you take that kind of give more mentality to become a best-selling author or is, or are they not related? Um, well, they are related. They don't have to be related. Um, first of all, it's really important to note bestseller is the beginning of the journey. It's actually the very, very first start. It's like if you were building a house, the first thing you got to do is, is build a foundation. If you wanted to become a doctor, the first thing you have to do is graduate medical school. Neither a foundation nor, uh, you know, having passed medical school and being doctor so-and-so, neither of those things is going to make you money or be anything other than just a credential unless you do something with it. The same thing's true with bestseller. It's actually, it's something we can do on day one of your book launching. It's really about understanding Amazon's algorithm more than it is about selling hundreds of thousands of copies of your book. But that then gives you the credential to be able to do the things that you want to do. Now, beyond that, when it comes to building the following, the more that your focus is, and, 
and uh, you know, we've all seen a whole bunch of different companies. When a company has something bigger than themselves that they're giving back to the world, people want to get involved in that. People really don't care anymore about a company that just wants to make itself rich. They want to find somebody that's going to do some good in the world. And you need to share that. And that's where social media can really come into promoting your book. Let's talk about the uh, doors that are opened. You know, in the past, I remember like some of my very first business ventures, uh, I'd get super excited and then I'd go and create business cards and then I'd go to a networking event and that's what I would do, right? Anybody I talked to that was even remotely interested in having a conversation with me got handed a business card. Uh, and then I started to notice how some people weren't handing out business cards, they were handing out their books, right? And there's something about a book that always captures my attention is that I never throw it away. I got books stacked in my office, people that have sent me books either via mail, I pick them up at networking events, and I may have never actually opened that thing, but I didn't throw it away, right? And so like, tell me, what does a book do for somebody who's getting started as an entrepreneur or trying to become an expert in, in, in their industry? So your book is your credential. Um, again, using the concept of becoming a doctor, what I found, and this is from working with medical doctors and helping them put their books out, they would be the first one to tell you that being a best-selling author does more for them, for notoriety, for people wanting to speak to them, for people believing what they say, than having been a doctor in their field for the last 20 years. Bestseller is literally the number one influencer credential. Um, you know, you can have no followings on TikTok or Instagram or, or any of the different social medias. And when you, if you go out on their very first thing and say, I'm the best selling author of whatever book, um, it immediately begins collecting people to you because in a person's mind, they immediately see that as this person's got to be legit. After all, they're a best selling author. And so that's the foundation we create so that we then can bring people in. I remember reading uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I think it was there. Might have been an interview, might have been Cash Flow Project. I don't remember exactly, but he talks about how he gets interviewed by this uh, this um, newspaper writer, right? And she, he's sitting there, and she's asking him questions about his book and how his book is a best selling book. And she says, you know, you know, I've been trying to write this other book, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of looks at her and he's like, look, you got a PhD. You have such good writing skills. You're amazing. But my advice to you, if you want to get, if you want to sell more books is to go take a sales class. And she looks at him kind of insulted. Like I'm not in sales. I'm a writer. I am not a salesperson. Right. And she didn't quite understand the difference. And he's like, look, Look at what look at what you're writing about me. You said Robert Kiyosaki, best-selling author, not best writing author, right? And that made a, a big impact on me, especially as an educator, because I'm a math guy. I know that my writing skills are crap. And you know, I'm, I'm looking across the room, and when I say that, some people kind of cringe because they feel the same way. Like their skills mm -hmm. in writing are not very good. So, what do you say to somebody who believes that they are not a good writer? Can they write their own book? Can they become a bestseller? Absolutely. In fact, the truth of the matter is, is very few people are good writers, but everybody really um, up to and including, you know, my granddaughter, when she was eight, brought out her first bestselling book. Everybody should be an author. And the easiest way to do it 
All of us know how to talk. You and I are having a conversation right now. The best way to write your book is just simply go on to something like Zoom. You know, you can get the free version of it and just record yourself talking and telling stories about whatever it was. You know, Tia, my little granddaughter, when she was eight, the only thing she knew in life was she had a best friend and she wanted to tell the whole world about her best friend. So that's what her book was. It was about meeting her best friend. And, uh, you know, it's a really powerful little book. And each and every single person that's listening, you absolutely do have a story that somebody needs to read right now. I love that strategy. Um, I usually use it as a cheat code for my students. I'm like, look, when I had to write an essay, I had to literally grab the pencil, grab the paper and write it down. Uh, it would get edited. Teacher would come back with all kinds of red lines, fix this, fix that, redo it again, type it up. Uh, but today they could literally dictate to their phones. Their phones will transcribe what they're saying into words. Uh, there's a lot of AI that'll come in and correct your grammar, correct some of the stuff that you're looking for. And boom, you got an essay that's, that's done. So that's a strategy. What are some other strategies that you can use or you utilize so that you can put pen to paper so that the story comes out in a way that somebody's actually going to want to read it? In other words, when somebody's thinking about writing a book, it seems daunting to put down 200 pages, 300 pages of words. How do I structure it so that I get something coming out of me that's readable? Well, number one, uh, nobody really wants to read a 300 page book anymore. You know, I mean, think about it there in school, you know, you hand somebody a great big giant book and the, the last thing they really want to do is read it. But right. You know, Amazon has found that if a book is a hundred pages and I'm talking about print pages, so I'm not talking about eight and a half by 11 An eight and a half by 11 piece of paper is about four print pages, give or take a um, hundred or less print pages. Um, more than 60% of the people that get that book will read it and finish it. That goes between 101 and 200 pages that drops to about 20%. And if your book goes over 200 pages, it's less than 3% of the people that will ever finish the book. So, um, you know, it isn't about the number of pages. In fact, the truth is the 300 page book came out of the fact that the publishing industry discovered that they could make more money if they forced authors to make bigger books. I'll give you two perfect examples of little books. Um, have any of you ever heard of the story, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Oh, yeah. It's a, a part of, it's a short story in a book that was about 45 pages originally. Again, I'm talking print pages. Um, the book that was written that the movie Brokeback Mountain was based off of is a 56 page short story. So it doesn't take a lot to be able to do it. Um, less is absolutely more. Just like you can tweet somebody and in 140 characters or, you know, whatever it might be, you can get your point across. The same thing's true with the book. You just really want to tell somebody something that's important to you um, and get it out there as opposed to having to have, to have all these words. Yeah. Uh, all right. So it doesn't have to be very long, but... I got to get people to pay attention, right? So in our class, we talk a lot about marketing and especially because in the TikTok era, it's like three seconds. You're not interesting. Poop onto the next swipe, next swipe, next. So how do I maintain that attention? How do I get a reader to open the book, right? I mean, that's step one, open the book and then keep reading to the end. 
So to get a person to open your book, that starts on your description on Amazon. I mean, let's face it, uh, pre-COVID, it was about 80% of all books were sold on Amazon. Now it's in about the 95% of all books that are sold are sold on Amazon. That first line of your description on Amazon, well, we could even go further and say the title, but even more so, that first line is all about what's in it for me. And I'm talking about what's in it for me, the reader. You need to say something in a sentence that tells that reader, this is why you want to open this book. Now, if in addition to that, you come up with a title that is really eye-catching, you want the title to be something that is an outcome. So in other words, it's not a picture of a messy room and how I overcame my messy room, but rather how to live a life that feels crisp and clean. You know, I mean, I don't know that any of us want to write that book, but you know, I mean, somebody might be really into cleaning and that might be cool for them. You want to show them the outcome. You know, you don't want to talk about a title that is, I failed school. You want to talk about how I went from making F's to being a B plus or an A student. Um, that is something that people want to hear. So those are the two things is titling that's outcome based. And more importantly, that first line in your description tells them this is what you're going to get out of the book. 60% of the time it works every time. Exactly. Well, let's talk about the cover. Then you always heard that saying, never judge a book by its cover. But I'm going to be honest, man, like I don't judge a book by almost anything other than the cover. Aside from the fact that maybe somebody recommended it to me, um, I'm, I'm reading a book right now called Relentless by Tim Grover. Uh, and it's it, Tim Grover's the guy that trained Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, that guy, right? Um, and it's not the first time somebody has recommended it to me. I, I was part of a 5 a.m. club and, and we would talk on Thursday mornings about – uh, reading because I don't know Thursday had an R in it. So we picked Thursday. Right. Uh, and so we would talk about books and in that book club, like they were literally telling me, you should read this book. You should read this book. This is what's going on with it. But it wasn't until later on that I saw a TikTok and it showed me the cover of the book. And for some reason I was like, okay, now's the time. So when I'm developing a cover for a book, what's something like what's some strategy that you've seen that works so that it grabs that attention so that I, I maybe want to look at maybe grabbing a sample or even buying the book. So the most powerful thing you can do on the cover of the book is actually to put you on the cover of the book. Now, a lot of us have a problem with that. You know, we're the biggest judges and critics of how we look and, you know, the things we'd like to change about ourselves before we do. But ultimately, going back to what you said about, you know, people will throw away business cards, but they don't throw away books. Your book is the beginning of your relationship with a person that you want to be in business with. And that starts from your smiling face, you being who you are. Um, I've seen so many people that will put some model or something on the cover of their book and then they want to be a public speaker for example then when somebody gets there and this person who looks nothing like that beautiful model on the on the front cover of the book walks up and they're like who's this person when's you know this lady going to show up uh so you got to start that you got to start off being real going back to even the question you ask about my vulnerability you want to be vulnerable and valuable people will appreciate the vulnerability that you had by 
putting your face out there on the cover. Now, some of you are going to still fight me against that. So I'll give you some grace if you're not willing to be that bold yet. And that's, you want the cover to be the outcome, not the problem. So for example, we're going back to house cleaning. I don't know why that's my thought for today, but maybe it's because <laughs> I need to clean my house. I don't know. You don't want to show a messy house. You want to show a house that's clean and organized and looks amazing. It's kind of like my background here. You know, I mean, I could show you the room that I'm in um, and we could have all kinds of conversations about why did you put that there and why'd you put that there? But with this, I have a background that's like, we're going to be talking about books. Guess what? My background says books the whole entire time. That's the same concept that you want your cover. You want it to be saying the same thing that you want that first sentence in your description to be saying. All right, let's talk uh, illustrations. I mean, obviously, for talking about this is my best friend, like you were talking about the the eight year old book, illustrations are probably a good thing. Uh, but I remember reading uh, Alex Ramosi's hundred million dollar offer book, and inside there were just quick little diagrams. Same thing with uh, Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. Little diagrams here and there to kind of illustrate what the overall concept is trying to 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 promote essentially right so illustrations pictures things like that are those things that are kind of relevant do they help a book at all or stick to just words on paper for the most part again because we're talking about a book that's 100 pages or less total um you know pictures tend to actually get more in the way be better off to have the book be half as many pages and not have the pictures and let the person get what they're looking for out of the book. Um, with that said, you also have the side of the coin that it's about four to six times as much more expensive for the production of a full color book versus a black and white only book. So if you do need to do images in it, you know, I would do stick figure and basic black and white types of drawings. Now, if there are pictures that really drive your book. Um, a book I'm thinking of, Atomic Habits, if you're familiar with that one. Um, what he has very, he has several places in there where there are worksheets that a person really needs from that. And what he does in the audio version of that, that I kind of wish he would have done in the print version too, is he has go to atomichabits.com forward slash whatever. And that whole worksheet or that illustration is there. And so if the illustrations are necessary to help the person visualize what you're saying, then um, I strongly suggest putting that on a website even more so. Put it on a website just behind a very simple uh, opt-in, you know, kind of email, give me your email address and I'll be glad to let you into this. So that then, you know, cause when a book sells on Amazon, it just, Amazon just tells you somebody bought the book. When they sign out that email address, now you've began a relationship, a conversation with a specific person. So let you kind of hinted on this on the audios and I kind of wanted to ask about that because I'm pretty much uh, – that's the kind of book that I tend to buy. I rarely buy a hard copy anymore these days. Um, I'll get the Audible. I'll get the Kindle version. Sometimes I'll get them together so that I can watch what I'm reading essentially and in increase my comprehension. I tend to read them at about one and a half times the speed to kind of get through as many uh, books as I possibly can. Uh, how valuable is it and should I, even if I'm a solo author like that, to have the audio version available versus just the, the written version? Absolutely. You should have the audio version available. 
Um, the statistic I heard was that only about one out of every 20 books that's available for sale is even available in audio version. So it's going to make your book um, even that much more in demand because it's, you know, there's less of them. So it's easier for your book to come out. Um, and then additionally to that, the whole concept we've been talking about that relationship, if it's you reading the book, and it can be as simple again as using Zoom. And when you mess up, when you're reading, because we all do, just pause, take a second, and then um, you know start back up where you messed up. And then there are tons of people, even on Fiverr or places like that, that will gladly go back through that audio and take out all of the faux pas that you did and clean it up for you so that it gives you what you need to be able to upload the audiobook. But yeah, audios are extremely popular and powerful for what you do. All right, let's talk about cost and time. I mean, obviously time's going to be different for anybody who's committing to writing the book, right? But what does it cost? Um, what can I expect to invest if I'm going to put my book out? If I, you know, what are like minimum copies? Do I need to have a certain amount of minimum copies? Do I need to have a certain amount of downloads? What am I going to even make off these kind of books? Like, let's talk a little bit about the numbers. Tell me what, it, what, what can I expect when writing a book? Um, so I love this quote from Seth Godin. I think he put it best. He said, if you're writing your book to make money, then don't do it. But if you want to make money, then you absolutely have to have a book. And that's important to note when you're talking about the book, uh, that's not going to be your moneymaker. I'm not saying you couldn't make uh, you know, a significant amount of money, but you are typically going to make somewhere in the range of a dollar or two dollars per book. Um, and that's the high end. That's assuming that you self-publish the book. Uh the only way you can make more than that would be if you're also going to go out and directly sell the book to like mom and pop stores um, and places, especially not bookstores like the local drugstore or something like that is going to carry your book because you're the local kid who wrote that book. Um, you can make more than that dollar or two, but typically that's about all you're going to make from a book. So in order to make a thousand dollars, not even, you know, a lot of money, not even probably one month's rent, uh, you need to sell a thousand books at a, at a buck a time. Whereas if that book leads to say, for example, a course, it's not that unheard of to have a thousand dollar course. Then you've got to make one sale to make that same thousand dollars. Let me ask you this. What, I mean, speaking of selling thousands of books, right? What defines a bestseller? How do you, it sounds cool to be a bestseller, but what does it actually mean to be a bestseller? So I'm going to not literally pull the curtain behind me back, but I'm going to pull back the curtain for you. Uh, bestseller is an algorithm. All right. Um, and so I'm going to give you, there's a whole bunch of nuances to Amazon's algorithm, but I'll give you the most important interesting part of it. And that's that their bestseller list updates hour by hour. They want you to know when they list a book as number two and another book as number three, that the book at number two during that hour sold more copies of the book than the book that's at number three. So for example, if you sold, and I'm going to give you a totally ridiculously low number, if you sold 10 books in an hour, that is the statistical, and you're a math teacher, so you'll love this. That's, that is statistically more than, that's algorithmically, if you will, more than 200 books in a 24-hour period. You know, 10 times 24 would be 240. 
math teacher, I don't want to get a B on, you know, I don't want to fail my test here, <laughs> but you know, it's more than 200. Um, and I use that number because of the next ones I'm going to tell you for easy math for me, which means over a 30 day period, over a month, that's more than 6,000 books in a month, which is more than 72,000 books in a year which is to say a book that sold 72,000 copies in a year may not necessarily have had any one hour where they sold 10 in, a, in an hour. And so when you look at Amazon's algorithm, they see a book that sold 10 in an hour, they're like, hey, at least in this hour, this book is massively powerful. And so when it comes to their algorithm, and again, there's a whole bunch of other nuances in there, but when it comes to their algorithm, they want you to know in this hour, this is the book that people are buying. You know, that's why if you went to Amazon's bestseller list, a book like uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book is maybe not necessarily in the top 100 right now today. You and I just talked about it on a podcast. So maybe, you know, next hour it will be because people are like, oh, rich dad, poor dad, I should check that book out. And then the sales go up, but um, it, it does fluctuate like that. And that is versus, say, for example, the New York Times, which is only a reflection of Walmart made a giant purchase. doesn't necessarily mean any of the books got in anybody's hands. It just means, you know, a big box retailer bought 50,000 copies of a book um, and mm. reported that. And that's what statistically the, the purchases of the book was. So it doesn't take a lot to become a bestseller. It takes a strategy and somebody who really understands that algorithm in order to guarantee that it'll happen. And that's where somebody like myself comes in. We love stats and data. We can make them say whatever we want. And uh, that's the, that's the beauty of business, right? Make it, make it work in the favor of the client so that they're happy. They come back and continue to work with you. Speaking of happy clients, thousands of people that have worked with you have become bestsellers. So if people want to get a hold of you, they want to work with you, they want to write a book. Uh, how can they do that? Well, of course, they can find out about everything about my company at thrivingbestsellers.com. But let's make it even easier for them. I've got a free gift for you. Um, if a person goes to ongoingwealthguide.com, that's ongoingwealthguide.com. That's going to take you to um, a free giveaway. I made a five-step ongoing wealth guide. There is a link in there that is my signature uh, one-hour talk that I do. You can write your whole book just from that. I've got authors that have written a dozen or more books just from what I teach in that in that webinar. And that wealth guide will absolutely show you how to write the book and make money ongoingly with the book. Um, and that would be a great place for us to start is just simply get that uh, that free guide and and let's uh, see where we can take you in your bestseller journey. Boom. There it is, ladies and gents. Everybody needs to have their own book written. It's your story. It's your legacy. You got to get it on paper. Make sure you guys check it out. Go to thrivingbestsellers.com or for your free gift, make sure you go to ongoingwealthguide.com. I got that right? Ongoingwealthguide.com? Ongoingwealthguide.com. Perfect. All right, ladies and gents. Uh, Steve, thank you very much for coming on the show. We have some questions. Ask away. Let's do it. No, no, no. Do it. Do it. All right. We got a question coming up. Here we go. Hello, sir. Hi. Can you hear? Yeah, there you go. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I have a question for you. Yeah. What's the lowest? <laughs> what's the lowest point in your life? The lowest, what was point? the lowest point? Yeah. 
Um, you know, probably again, going back to what we talked about earlier, that day that I was sitting there in the dark, totally alone and realizing that for the first time in my 52 years of life, um, I was completely alone and there was nobody there and that none of the bills were going to get paid. There wasn't even going to be food on the table unless I did all of it. Um, and it was really, I contemplated for a little bit, you know, maybe I don't want to do this and what are the options or should I go live with my mom, you know, at 52 years old, which I did not even really consider, but you know, thoughts like that go through your head, but that was probably definitely the lowest point in all of my life. Those things are tough, man. I mean, we all have them again. We all have them. I think even as a teenager, you think you have your lowest point, uh, probably like on a Friday and then come Monday, you're on another high, ready to, ready to rock the week. Hopefully Steve, thank you very much again for coming on the show. Ladies and gents, give him a round of applause. All right, Steve, we'll catch you on the next one. Ladies and gents, you want to write a book, make sure you check it out. One more time, thrivingbestsellers.com, thrivingbestsellers.com. We'll see you on the next one later. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.